this morning we remember it is an empowerment service. Our Saturday uh, is described as an empowerment service. Yesterday was salvation service. Today is an empowerment service. Amen. And it is necessary to gather protons so that you can be empowered. Amen. I want us to take our scripture from Mark chapter 14, verse 66 to 72. Mark 14, 66 to 72. Now remember when we had our doing the Master's Will Conference, how many of you were engaged during the Master's Will Conference? How many of you joined us online in November? I don't want you to forget about that. It's a constant thing going on and we need to act it out. Amen? Now, remember I taught you four E's, four E's for us to be able to do the master's will effectively. And remember that we look at engage, establish, equip, and empower. That's right. Thank you, Mona Lisa. Put your hands together for beautiful Mona Lisa. Yeah, by the way, she's also looking for a husband, so... It's, uh, I've told the whole world. Man, I've told the whole world. So applications will start coming. Please send all applications to Bishop James at Christchurches.org. Glory to Jesus. So we see over there that we engage culture and community to share the gospel. Like what we're about to do this afternoon, it will be an engagement. We saw that these four things, these four means of fulfilling the master's will. Church, there's nothing important in this world than to do the will of Jesus Christ. Amen. One day he says, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, shall make it to heaven. Matthew 7, 21. He says, not everyone who says Lord and Lord and Lord shall make it to my kingdom, except those who do the will of my father, which is in heaven. And the will of the Father is that we who are born again must be able to engage others and get them to be saved. Because except a man be born again, they will die and go to hell. There is a place called hell. And there are millions of young people that Satan is interested in destroying. And ladies and gentlemen, once we became born again as young people, it is our duty to ensure that we are enlisted in the army of the Lord to make sure that everyone that looks like us gets saved. Amen. Every young person gets born again. When we get our friends born again, it has a way of sometimes affecting the appearance to also become born again. Because when the parents see a change in you, it begins to want them to follow to find out what has changed. Because they have been struggling with things until they see a dramatic change. If Christ is in you and you are changed, it has a way of impacting the whole family. We have a big responsibility before God. And so we see that when Jesus came on the earth, he did these four things. And that is what ensured he being able to actually do his father's will. And so we look at engage. And that is to engage the culture and the community. We need to understand the community. We need to understand the people that we minister to. We need to understand their background, where they are coming from, so that we can engage them. Jesus engaged. He went to the fishing community. He engaged fishermen. He went by the seaside. He easily struck acquaintances and made friends. He met the woman at the well. And within a few seconds and minutes, he has struck conversation. And in the end, get the one woman saved. And that brought the whole of Samaria saved. God is counting on you. You are under divine observation this morning. As you are born again, remember that you need to follow Jesus. You have to be relational. You have to engage. This is just a summary of our doing the Master's Will Conference. And so when we engage, then we move on to establish. So we become spiritual. We establish biblical foundations in the person that we have engaged on the street. The one we talk to. The one next door. The one in our community that we spoke to to become born again. We don't just leave them. We need to follow them up. So we see Jesus follow them up. He went to Peter's house. He went to Mary and Martha's house. He was doing follow up so that he can establish strong biblical foundations in the people. Foundations of faith. How to read their Bible. Not everybody knows how to read the Bible. So when we get people born again, we teach them how to read the Bible. We don't just tell them, you must read your Bible. A lot of people know what they must do, but they can't do it because they have not been taught how to do it. 
So it's our duty to teach the new believer how to read their Bible and how to pray. Because when we learn to teach people the how, they get to know how to do it. When we just say to people, you must win souls. How do I win souls? So, may we not just communicate in ways that people don't understand. Effective communication is when you have spoken and the other person has understood. That is when we have communicated. So, you see that Jesus also began to establish strong biblical foundations. He taught his disciples how to pray. He said, when you pray, say the following. He showed them the formula. Start off with worship. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is worship. Then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. You are praying for the kingdom, things of God first. So when you start praying, you don't pray for your stomach first. You pray for things of God first. It is after we have prayed for his kingdom come, his will be done in all things. Then we now move on to the next prayer topic and say that give me this day my daily bread. Even that he taught us that we also pray that we forgive others. So Jesus showed us the formula for prayer and he taught his disciples how to pray and showed them how to pray from the scriptures. So when he left them alone, they could still have a prayer meeting and pray effective prayers that the place where they were gathered was shaking. And the spirit of God filled the house. So Jesus taught them how to pray. And so he established strong foundations in them and that is what you must be doing we engage people we share the word with them we give them tracts we tell them to be born again we tell them to say sinners prayer etc etc but after that we must teach them how to become christians how to read their bible how to overcome temptations how to fast teach them how to fast when you can't tell them you know you have to fast yes you have to fast but how do i fast not everybody can fast isn't it if they don't know how to fast some of you, when you now could pray and fast for two days. Some time ago, you couldn't manage two hours of fasting. It was like the whole world is about to crash. It's like you put your phone on standby and the numbers ready is 999. It's 7 a.m. And once it's 8 o'clock, I'm very hungry. I'm going to die. Where is Bishop? My mother. Look at the oats. You're in the fridge. Just smell the fridge and walk away. Just go back to the kitchen again. See the stuff you like. See, they say we can eat. What's the time? Ah, it's not yet even 12 o'clock. Ah, it's taking a long time. Why is today too long? When you are fasting, at around 11 o'clock, it feels like you're about to die. Your tummy begins to rumble, starts ministering to you. You start yawning. You yawn in capital letters. Ah. That's when you get temptations. You fall asleep and you dream you are eating your best meal. And when you wake up, we will command that dream not to come to pass. That dream alone won't come to pass. Sometimes we were fasting, 21 days fast. Around the 14th day of the fast, I dreamt I was eating kinky with fried fish. I'm a typical girl from Accra in Ghana. This is their, their best, their, their main meal. Kinky fried fish with shito. And here am I, in the dream, 14 days of fasting, shito, fried fish with some gravy, the way my mother would do it, and the kinky, hot, and divided asanga. <laughs> I woke up, I said, this dream will not come to pass today. <laughs> we are seven more days to go, it's not happening. So, we have to teach the people how to fast. You show them what to do. Say, so look, when you get to this time, and if you fast and you are not praying, you are starving. So you must start reading. When you read the word, power begins to build up within you. When you are fasting, you build power by reading the word. And when you read the word, then you begin to pray. At a certain point in the prayer, you shoot past the flesh. That's when now, sometimes after we have finished the fasting, you still don't feel hungry. Because it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Something has happened to you. So we teach them these things from the experience and from the word. So we establish strong biblical foundations in the people. We teach them how to go to evangelism and how to share their faith. And then we move on to equipping the believers to do the work of the ministry. So the new person who is now born again, we now provide them equipment. 
we show them how to do the work of ministry, how to lead a choir, how to handle souls, how to follow souls up. When you go for visitation, what do you say? What do you have to say when you go and visit? Everybody who has a soul, you, everybody must manage a soul. We are supposed to be accountable for souls. So we should have, we have forms in Christ Church where every, everyone, every leader has a, you have a visitation plan to visit the person that has been saved. Paul said, let us go again and visit all the other places where we established the churches. Jesus went from house to house, visiting his members. And there must be a way. You just can't go and talk politics the whole time. You don't just go and start off preaching. You have to start from a place of engagement and greeting and finding out what is going on here. And then you begin to build the rapport and the relationship. And after visitation, you pray a powerful prayer. You don't end a visitation without a prayer. So we teach the souls how to visit souls. That's when we are, we are actually giving you equipment. When we come to church, every service you are receiving equipment. You are being equipped. The Bible says the pastors have been given to us to equip us so that we would do the work of the ministry. Ephesians chapter 4 and the verse number 11 all the way to 17. He says that God has given to us apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists and pastors that they will equip the believers and the believers will do the work of the ministry. Amen. So you see that Christ has given us what it takes. And we see Christ do the same thing. He provided the apostles equipment. And then he sent them to go. That is when empowerment comes in there. Empower disciples to make disciples. So we empower them by having various conferences, retreats, camp meetings, etc. To give you the power to do things. So the Bible says after Jesus has taught his disciples and they had followed him and seen him, how he preached, how he cast demons out. We have to teach people how to cast demons out. So we don't dance around demons. When we're immature, we sing around demons. The person is possessed. He's standing there. We brought him to the middle of the church and we are singing, Elijah, 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 Bompai. The people are sweating and the demon is standing there. You should just have to, in the name of Jesus, come out and, and this nonsense and let's go on. Jesus always cast the demons out. So we have to teach people how to cast the demon out without celebrating the demon. So we empower people to do things. If you teach the word, the Bible says then he sent them two by two. That they should go and preach. And then they went and then they came back and gave a report. So you see what he was doing was that he's now empowering them. And so this day, today's service is an empowerment service. You are going to receive what it takes to be able to do certain things. You are going to receive instruction. So you have missional confidence and competence to be able to do the work of the Lord. The work of the Lord is serious. The Bible says that what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Do you understand that scripture? I'm going to pull it up there for everyone to see. What shall it profit a man? I think Luke chapter 8. Or Mark 8, 36. For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? That means that the soul of every human being is more expensive than the sum total of the wealth of the world. The soul of every human being is more expensive than the sum total of the wealth of the world. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? I think 37, what does he say? Ask a question. Does 37 ask a question? He says, and what can a man give in exchange for his soul? You can't. So, that's why it was so expensive that there's nothing on earth that can buy your salvation except a priceless, another priceless commodity, the blood of Jesus Christ. That is what paid the price. Now, because that is the case, we have to be very, very serious about this work. Because if, if the soul of a man is more expensive than the total wealth in this world, 
that means that all the pound sterling in the world is nowhere near the soul of a man. And yet all the pound sterling in a particular company, they employ auditors and accountants and they police the thing. You can ask Dick and Kobe. Accountants and finance people, they police the money in the company. They, they, and you have to account for everything. Anything that is released, you must account for it. Even in our church, if all the departments, if they need anything, they have to put in requisition. So they fill a form and send it. We need this for this department. Then we have to look at it and approve it. So far, media has been taking most of their money. And they have to do well. Everybody turn around and tell media, do well. Uh-huh. Because they have taken all the budgets. Everything they are asking for it, we have to give them. So that the whole world must hear the gospel. But requests come. And you have to assess it. And then make sure if this money goes, would it affect this one? Would it affect this? All those things. Some of you just think pastor's job is just come and stand here and preach. All these things are involved. And it's not only in this place. But sometimes in a branch, they will say, we, we need this and that. Should we move this money? I say, hold on. No, we can't move this. Hold on there first. If you move it, how are you going to survive the next one month? But no, take a little bit of it. And do this. How do we balance this? So you are making all this as part of your leadership. Now, if we are doing all this over money, just money, we haven't talked gold and diamonds and everything, then that means that we must have the same approach towards one soul that comes to church. Hey, are you here? If the soul is more expensive and more important and has more value than gold, then we, we must have ministry accountants. Soul accountants over souls. And every one of you is an accountant over soul. Amen. That means that you must ensure that the soul is not being lost. In Jesus name. Because it's very expensive. That's why when you start ministry, you don't have to worry whether you have only one soul. Pay attention and pour into the person. Because you see the Bible says, what can a man give in exchange for his soul? The only thing that can be given in exchange for the soul is the life of the son of God. That's the exchange rate. You know the exchange rate? If you have one pound, it is equivalent to, I think as of last week or so, it was to 10 Ghana cities. One pound is to 10 Ghana cities. I don't know what it is in Naira. I think it's more. It's just like the way the sanctions have come to Russia. So now their whole currency is even less than a penny. One ruble is less than a penny. They've damaged the Russia economy. If you attack Ukraine, that's what you will get. Putin, are you hearing me? I want to get him born again. I think when he gets born again, it will be fine. Then he will repent of all the things he's doing innocent people. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? So the exchange rate for the soul of one person is the life of the son of God. Let us sink in this morning. That means that if you have only one person in your congregation, you have an equivalent of the life of the son of God before you. You can't mistreat that person. You can't come to say, oh, today nobody came, only one person came. Jesus Christ. An equivalent of Christ is sitting down there. The life of the son of God. That is what he did. He went to the cross for one soul. That's why I pay attention to everybody. That's what he taught me 15 years ago. So whether one person comes or not, just spend all the time. Prepare as if you are going to preach to 10,000 people. Minister to that person. As I find you faithful ministering to one person like that, I will trust you and add more people. That's how church grows. That's how your ministries begin to grow. That's how your departments begin to grow. When you focus on one person, when, whenever God wants to bring growth, he will start with a little. When Elijah prayed for a mighty harvest, the clouds he was expecting was the cloud like the feast, the size of the feast of a man. If you compare that to the whole sky, that's very, very small. Very, very small. But he had faith in that. He faithfully continued in faith. And then the Bible says very soon, the skies were full of clouds and the rains came down. When we pray for church growth, a bus won't be 
parked somewhere and souls start coming in. Sometimes God will just send one person in. Trickles, just like that. And you build them up by faith. Teach them the word. So everywhere we are starting Protons churches, don't just think, oh, I need, I have to get 100 people at all costs from the beginning. No, the three you have, work with them. Teach them, prepare. See, you, are the, you are the pastor for three people, just be happy. Don't let anybody make fun of you. Teach them everything you must teach them. As you show faithfulness, God will say, my God, I like what's going on here. I have three more crazy guys there. Let me add them to this church. Then they come. Then you feed them again. Then you see some more people. As you remain faithful, then God will begin to add. God trusts you, then he asks more people. That's how churches grow. That's how ministries grow. And I want you to have that mindset this morning in the name of Jesus. We can become 10,000. I said we can become 10,000. If we all become faithful to this assignment, what can a man give in exchange for his soul? That's why you must value the souls that come to church. When people come to church, not all of them are perfect. In fact, we are all sick. The church is a hospital. Amen. The church is a spiritual hospital. So when we come, some people, they recover quickly. Others too, it takes some time. Others too, they have got chronic diseases. Others too, we treat them like special cases, special needs children in the ministry. Because every time there's something wrong, remember, one soul is equivalent to the life of the Son of God. Amen. Are we ready to do this work? Are we ready to serve the Lord? Are you ready to serve the Lord? So, this day's service is to empower you to do this work. So, Christ empowered the disciples. He sent them to go and do it. He taught them how to cast demons. He corrected them. He rebuked them. He disciplined them. If we want to be empowered, we must be also ready to be corrected. Amen. That's why sometimes he will rebuke Peter publicly. And it is correcting them. If you want to grow, you must prepare your heart to be corrected and to be rebuked as well. It's part of the work. To do the work of God. Because you may make some mistakes and you have to be corrected. If you can't be corrected, then you will not be able to progress in life. We said Mark chapter 14. Let's go there. The Bible says now, as Peter was below in the courtyard, this was after Jesus had been arrested the night before. Peter had followed on and Jesus was being tried. As for the rest of the people, they have all run away. They have fled. They have fled. Monolisa, let's, let's go back a few verses and see how some of the people fled. May you not flee in Jesus' name. When Jesus is under attack, don't run away. At least be like Peter. It's better than being like Mark. I think some few verses up, we will be able to see where they all fled and forsook him. Before then, they all said they would go and they would die with him. They all promised that they would be there with him. But when it mattered most, they all fled. Mark chapter 14. Verse 50. Then they all forsook him and fled. They all forsook him and fled. Who are they all? These were the people he was praying with in Gethsemane. People, I'm not talking about the rest. Remember the people he specifically took to Gethsemane to pray. It wasn't the whole church. It was the 12 minus Judas. Judas has been leaving fellowship. So when they went for prayer meetings, he wasn't there. That day he was talking to other people. Don't miss fellowship. Amen. Don't miss fellowship. Otherwise, the devil will contract you to fight the church. 
Whenever there is church, whenever there is ministry, where are you? If you are not in camp, it is very likely that you are vulnerable. The enemy can employ you. At what point did Judas get the chance to go and talk to these people about Jesus? If you are working with Jesus, if you are working with me, you can see how busy you can be. And let alone to get time to go and talk to people who don't like Jesus. To even negotiate how much you will charge for betraying him. Many times we have not been able to fulfill our ministry because most of us are talking to Pharisees. Most of us, the chief enemies of the church, strangely, they are the ones you are actually also in bed with. The people who criticize the Protons church a lot, strangely, they are your best friends. You are strange. If we will move forward as a church, if we will be able to win all the souls in this world for the kingdom of God and to spread the Protons church mission, we need to understand that we need to have a very strong house, a united house, and we must avoid the Judas element. Tell somebody, avoid the Judas element. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. So the Bible says that only Judas was not in camp. And then the rest who were there, in fact, if you read your Bible, you will notice that when Jesus prophesied, I'm going to Jerusalem, they're going to kill me. They said, no, we will stand with you. Ha, we're going to die with you. We will be there for you. And all of that. Then when the real moment came, they all forsook him and fled. You understand the word forsake? And they fled too. You know the word flee? That is when you left off without minding where your bag is. You have escaped. I mean, if a snake shows up in this room right now, some of you will scatter. I believe a lot of you will do straight things like Ben 10. You remember your Ben 10 skills. You will get through these windows right now. <laughs> How you manage to go out of this room, we won't know. But we will see you outside. <laughs> we will awfully... So they fled and forsook him. They left him alone in the hands of those who have come to arrest him. And the Bible said, And there followed him a certain young man, having a linen cloth cast about his naked body. And the young man laid hold on him. And he left his linen cloth and fled naked. Let me tell you, church history and every evidence points to the writer of this book, Mark. He's the one. He ran away naked. He too, he left Jesus. Brother Mark, today is right. He didn't disclose his name. So that he did that. <laughs> See, I said, the young one. One day Paul said, I know a man in the spirit. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. It was Paul. He was writing about himself. Sometimes they use that style of writing. A certain young man. Having linen cloth. Because you see, they have come for retreats. They are praying. He wasn't expecting this to happen. So he has come to the morning prayer meeting or that evening prayer meeting in his pajamas. And then this happens. And, he tried, and they arrested him by that. And he left it in their hands and he fled naked. The guy is gone. May no matter what happens, may we not abandon this church. May we not abandon Christ and may we not abandon the Protons church. This is a movement of God. It cannot be killed by humans. But we need people that will be willing to stand in the name of Jesus. That when an attack comes, we should be ready to stand and face the enemy off in Jesus' name. Because we are doing a great work that God is interested in. And because of this great work, it commands attention in the satanic kingdom. Satan will love to attack this work. But we too, we are coming in the name of the Lord. There are many thousands of young people who must be saved. They must be saved. So they don't die and go to hell. In Jesus name. So the Bible says that when she, when this happened, now let's, let's run back. So we saw that people fled and forsook him. May we not forsake the ministry. Amen. No matter how things get tough, let's not forsake the ministry. So number one, don't be like Judas. 
if we have to fulfill the ministry. We have to do the master's will. We must not be like Judas. We mustn't be negotiating with others who want to destroy the work of God. And number two, we must not forsake the Lord. And must not forsake the Protons Church. That's why it's a Protons Church. Just to let you see where we are going. So we talk about the Lord and we talk about the church. Because the Lord is king and Lord over all. But then God operates in local churches like the Protons Church. It's a platform God has set so that we will develop our ministries and be empowered to do the work of the ministry. So if we will fulfill the ministry, we need to avoid certain things. We have to avoid fleeing from danger because people have come to attack the church. And the Bible says in verse 66 of chapter 14, now as Peter was below, so they all fled, then later on Peter felt, but if I go home, can I even sleep? Because remember, he, he has... <laughs> He promised that he would never do anything like this. So he decided that he would follow from afar. But don't follow Jesus from afar. Amen. Follow very close. But at least he did well. He managed something. When everybody had fled and everybody has gone to their homes, Peter still felt, I can't sleep. And let this thing be destroyed. Let me try and follow. So he decided to follow from afar and see where they would take Jesus. And then as he followed, his curiosity led him into the very court where Christ was being tried. And the Bible says, as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when she saw Peter warming himself, because he's come to sit by the fireside to warm himself, it was cold. She looked at him and said, you also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it and said, I don't know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch and a rooster crowed. One of the reasons why sometimes we don't grow or the enemies that fight the growth of our churches is the spirit of denial. Publicly he was asked. You were part of the disciples of Jesus. He said what are you talking about? I don't know him. I don't know him. I haven't met him. And I don't know what you are talking about. You know sometimes we, we do that sometimes. When people ask you. Are you part of the Protons church? And I've heard about them. But I, I, I am not part of them. Why, why don't you want to associate with the Protestant church publicly? I've heard about them. But I am not part of them. You are becoming like Peter in this case. You need to repent in Jesus' name. We will not be able to move forward if we have got these Petalian tendencies. Petalian tendencies. Where we say we don't know him. We deny. We deny. If we deny that we are not part of this group, then it is very clear we cannot win anyone into that group. Anything you don't want people to know you are associated with, you are really not going to help do it. Isn't it? You are not going to help grow it. You are not going to invite anybody to come into it. Anything that you don't want people to know you are part of. But the Protons Church is not a losing team. You know, you can say you, you, don't, you don't know about Arsenal because they are losing too much. But you can say about that. But I mean, even hard, hard Arsenal supporters don't say those things about their team. The Protons Church is a powerful church. It's more than Arsenal and Manchester United put together. It's more than Real Madrid and Barca, all of them put together. Even those clubs, when even they are losing, their supporters still have hope. They never say, oh, I don't know about us. They still have got their kids. Sometimes they wear it in town. <laughs> they have never thrown it away, even when they are losing matches. Even people support looting, looting town FC. They still don't give up on them. So the moment you tell people you, you don't know, it's very clear we are not going to win. 
if we're going to fulfill the ministry God has given to us as protons, we must never deny it publicly. In Jesus' name. I said, don't deny it in Jesus' name. Look at it. He says, but he denied it and said, I don't know nor understand what you are saying. Hey, Peter. Peter said, I don't know one. And in fact, I don't even understand. I mean, I said, you are with Jesus Christ. He said, I don't know what you are talking about. And I don't even understand. I'm refusing to understand what you are saying. I don't understand the word Jesus Christ. I don't understand. And then they came again. Look at it. Then the Bible said, they came again. So he went out to the porch and then a rooster crowed because Jesus had told him, by the time the rooster crows three times, you would have denied me three times. And the servant girl saw him again. A servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, this is one of them. But he denied it again. Hey. And a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, surely you are one of them. For you are a Galilean and your speech, your accent is showing. Your accent is showing that you came from Nigeria. He said, me, I didn't come from there. I don't know what you are talking about. Have you watched that immigration thing? Have you watched it? Oh, the UK borders. The man says he's 18 years old. Hey, look at him. You see that this one is 43 old. <laughs> he said he's 18. <laughs> and they're looking at him. He said, no. <laughs> he's denying, but the evidence is there. May God have mercy on us. Peter said, I don't know what you are talking about. I don't understand it. That is saying the typical Ghanaian balance. Is it by force? See, the force is not F-O-R-C. It's F-O-S-S. Is it by force? <laughs> I don't want to be part of this Proton's church. Is it by force? <laughs> I don't know this Jesus you are talking about. Is it by force? I said I don't know him. Three times they said, you know him. Say, I don't know him. By force. Is it by force? I have chosen, I have my own body and my mouth. I said I don't know him. Jesus was being denied here. And the Bible says he turned around and saw Peter. Listen, there is a mystery to what we are doing here. It is the plan of God. There are people who have been saved in the Protons church. Let that remind us that we are doing a great work. There are people whose lives have been totally transformed and they have been filled with the Holy Spirit and they have even found themselves doing the work of the ministry. They found themselves, they are laying hands on people and people are speaking in tongues. It's a strange thing, isn't it? That's the whole thing. Ah, some years ago, I don't know these things. Now I've come to the Proton Church. I have understanding. I understand ministry. That tells you that this is a good place. That tells you also that the hand of God is here. And if that is the case, then we must be proud of it. In Jesus' name. And no matter what happens, may we not be like Peter in the courtyard of the Sanhedrin. It doesn't matter what happens, may we say we are part of this. Hallelujah. When we come out publicly, let's be proud that we are protons. Let's be proud that we are part of Christ's church. Let's be proud that we belong to Jesus Christ. Let's be proud. Because one of the ways to kill anything so easily is to fail to identify with it. And that's why it appears that despite Peter coming back and everything, you realize that Paul's ministry became more stronger than that of Peter's ministry. Even though leadership even passed on to him, you realize that he didn't handle the leadership for a very long time. James even came and took it back, took it from him. Peter didn't lead to the end. He had a unique place among the apostles. From the beginning, he became the head right after Jesus left. He led in the day of, on the day of Pentecost. He ministered. People were saved. So, but I believe this thing here had a certain impact on him. It has a certain way that sometimes it diminishes an anointing in the realm of the spirit from you. From denying what made you. Are you here? May we not deny what produced us. In Jesus name. There is an anointing here that produces gifted people out of this place. Don't deny it publicly. Don't fail to associate with it. So Peter, 
The Bible says that he began to curse and to swear. The man had walked with Jesus for three years. He still has swear words in his mouth. Yeah. Apostle. Apostle is saying these things. He swore. He began to curse and swear. I don't know this man whom you speak. I don't know him. A second time, the rooster crowed. Then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said before. Before the rooster crows twice, you would deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. But those statements had a certain impact on him. If we compare, you will find out from that moment when he led in, on the day of Pentecost and then he carried on. By the time we got to chapter 12, he was leaving the scene. He was making his way towards Rome. When they had the first council meeting of the church in Acts chapter 15, it was not chaired by Peter. It was chaired by James. James, the brother of the Lord, not James, the brother of John. You know, Peter, James, and John. You know that James and John were brothers, the sons of Zebedee. The other James has been killed in chapter 12. Peter was also arrested. The church had a prayer meeting, and then Peter came out miraculously from prison, and he had to escape. But then one of Jesus' own blood brother, James, from the records, he comes after Jesus. He's the first to be born after Christ was born miraculously. He's the first son between Mary and Joseph. So that's this is the one that comes directly after Jesus. Jesus' younger brother. He only got born again after Jesus rose from the dead. Because the Bible says in John chapter 7 and John chapter 8, neither did his brothers even believe in his ministry. You have your other brother in the house. He's a miracle worker. They don't believe in his ministry. Can you imagine that? But when James came back, I believe that these things had some kind of impact negatively on Peter's ministry. Something, something was deducted from the anointing on his life. James headed the church. But then Paul also came. And you see Paul's strong ministry is much stronger than that of Peter. And that is why we must be careful not to deny the anointing. Amen. Because Paul, as for Paul, he wrote clearly and said in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 to 17. Let's look at that and we'll briefly end this session. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Is that in your Bible? Peter was ashamed of the gospel, but Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God that brings about salvation. Peter had three golden chances to have preached Christ to people. Fear gripped him. He didn't want to associate with that. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would do the work of the ministry, it comes at a price. Amen. If you want to associate with God or anything God is doing, it comes at a price. It comes at a price. If we don't want to pay the price, we can choose to deny that we are part of it. But when we deny that we are part of it, we lose something. There is nothing great that comes without sacrifice. And I found out that the kingdom of God works on the same principle. The level on the anointing on somebody's life is linked to the sacrifice they have made in the ministry. It is. Something is always given in exchange for something. Anytime we want to save our skin, we will not be able to walk at a certain level of anointing. This morning, be ready to go all out for Jesus. Amen. Especially to be actively involved in the work of the ministry. Be actively involved in the work of the ministry. Nothing can be built without sacrifice. Do you realize that Jesus didn't sit in heaven relaxing on a golden bed and say, all, all human beings get saved. He traveled and came down. He left the glory of the golden streets in heaven. We have been told the streets in heaven are made of gold. According to the Revelation account. It's made of gold. And remember, he is king. He has millions of angels worshipping him every day. 
he put down all his glorious garments of kingship and came down to the earth and lived on this earth for 33 and a half years. And you want to walk in Jesus' anointing without sacrifice? It doesn't happen. If you want to save souls, we must be ready to sacrifice something. Amen. See, the anointing is not cheap. It's very expensive. That's why olive oil is used as a symbol of the anointing. The anointing is the power of God. It is not easy to extract olive oil because the oil comes from the olive seed. And the olive seed is a very small but hard seed. That's why they have to crush it in those days. They have to crush it for a long time to, to get a little oil. So to be able to even have a cup full, that's a lot of labor. That's a lot of labor. So the anointing is not cheap. Somebody gives up something for something. If I spend hours on my knees praying for hours, you can't work at the same level of anointing as me. It's not possible. It doesn't matter how many hands I lay hands on you or I pour gallons of anointing oil on you. It's not the same. I can't even give you the oil to drink. You will not be anointed like me. But we need the anointing to do the work. Amen. And so, a sacrifice must be something that we must be willing to embrace. We can't start new churches without some people sacrificing. Amen. Somebody had to travel to a place to plant a church. Somebody have to pay the price. Somebody have to be in prayer. Hours of prayer. Moving about and praying. Sacrifice produces power. Even in the occult world, is the same. The reason why Islam seems to go on is because they, they, they do a lot of sacrifices. People pay the price. And you see that trend of movement. I don't know whether you've watched your community and see. Sometimes, once they start a small mosque in a place, some people will move from Bradford, Manchester, all of them to come and live in Thamesmead and Woolwich and Plumstead. Just because of that mosque, that's all. Then they start buying the shops around the place. And when you're growing up in the place, they don't sell halal meat in that place. Very soon, they start, somebody comes and opens the meat shop and is selling halal meat. And they all go to the place. That's how they work. They all sacrifice to get that thing working. That's why they're ready to kill themselves for their faith. So, any form of sacrifice, even if demons are backing them, any form of sacrifice provokes a spiritual opening. So, whether it's God or not, it works the same way. Humans could not be saved. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there will be no remission of sins. So the anointing is not cheap. If we will carry the anointing of God as empowered people, we must be having a mindset of total sacrifice for the work. In Jesus' name. Total sacrifice. The Bible says that those who want to save their lives, they will lose it. And those who rather lose their life for my sake shall gain it. Hallelujah. Amen. We set a vision for ourselves that we, we're going to plant 10 churches every year for the next 10 years, isn't it? It is possible, isn't it? As for Proton said, I think that we, we should be planting 20 churches every year. It's possible. There are a lot of young people who are lost, totally lost, but nobody's ready to pay the price. We all love our skin. We want to sleep a little bit. I want to sleep a little bit. I just want to come to church and just go home. These meetings, there are too many meetings. I don't want to fail my exams. Every time you are complaining, you don't carry anointing. Those who pay the price to serve God on campus, they don't fail their exams. I am a product. I started this group of churches whilst I was studying complex subject like medical science and still doing the work and did not fail I ended up topping my year group I top.
God has never left himself without a witness. Amen. Without a witness. Somebody say sacrifice. So, don't be ashamed to associate with the ministry. It's, it's because we want to save our skin. That's why we don't want to associate with it. Oh, I'm not part of these people. From today, go all out and be part of these people. In the name of Jesus. When we are wearing our t-shirts, get it and also wear it. If you can't go out in anything Christchurch or Protons, you are a suspect. <laughs> Joshua, why are you not in your red? You got one. You haven't got one. But what happened to you? You didn't know about it? Or you were becoming like Peter? Then from today with immediate effect, get one. Sell one to him. He's only who buy a double price. Anyone here who doesn't have it, lift your hand. Don't worry, I won't tell the world about you. We will make sure that you all get one. Amen. I know you didn't have it, not because you are Judas or Peter, isn't it? Yes, I'm sure you just, you just didn't know. What was happening? Huh? Oh, you were saying something. Oh, you've been waiting since February. Hey, Charlie, whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? Oh, you can't say. Is it Abishai? It's your fault. What happened? Procrastination. We will deliver you today. In Jesus' name. Who is going to lay hands on him to be delivered from procrastination? Be careful you yourself you don't procrastinate. <laughs> <laughs> hallelujah amen whoever seeks to save his life will lose it and whoever loses his life will preserve it this is Jesus speaking amen from today I want us to have a mindset that we can do this work for God I found out that certain things happen that are as a result of the sacrifice of serving God amen as a result of serving God One day I had a strange swelling around my thigh. And I took it to the doctors. They looked at it and they were all confused about it. And they said, maybe they have to operate it. And it's very, very, it's painful and very uncomfortable. But it stayed on for about two years. And then I decided to forget about it. And be actively involved in doing the work of the ministry. Just serving God. One day I didn't find it. I don't know where it went. <laughs> it has to live. This body must live for some time to do the work of the Lord. When you are active in doing the work of the Lord, you matter so much to heaven that God will ensure your security in the name of Jesus. But ladies and gentlemen, demons also sacrifice even on campus to ensure that their project is going on. How are we sleeping when demons are awake? How can you deal with the devil when your remote control is controlling you? When your remote control controls you, how can you deal with the devil? You don't have power over a remote control. And you want to have power over a demon? Swa. It's not going to happen. May the Lord help you in Jesus' name. May we go all out and sacrifice for the Lord. In Jesus' name. Do your best for the kingdom. But don't be like Judas. Don't be like Peter in that context. Peter said, I don't know him. I don't know him. Don't be one of those who don't want to associate with the church in any shape or form. It's a sign that you are not committed. It's a sign. And let us move forward and win souls. Paul said, I am not ashamed I want you to have a Paulian mentality. Amen. He said, I am not ashamed. Everywhere you call him, he will stand and present Christ. If you bring him before chiefs, kings, whoever, he will just say, I was on my way to Damascus. A light shone around me. I fell down and I heard a voice saying, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he stands boldly even when he was threatened with death, he said, I'm even confused. Whether to continue to stay on this earth and I will preach the gospel 
or you kill me and I'll immediately appear before my lover and my maker and my king. You would be the one to lose me. I'm not going to lose. The man is threatening with death and he's telling you, you are even confusing me. He said, if you kill me, you get nothing. If you kill me, you have ushered me straight before Jesus. <laughs> you want to do it? Do it. If you keep me here, I will keep on preaching Christ. My God, what an anointing. That's why the man carries such a power. He saw things other apostles didn't see. He was taken up to the third heavens. He said, I saw things that cannot be explained by humans. That's Paul. Ladies and gentlemen, God has enough anointing. He's not hoarding them in heaven. He wants to pour it out. But he wants to pour it out on people who are ready to sacrifice. And I tell you, we can win a lot of souls. We can get people saved. But we must have an unashamed mentality in the name of Jesus. That when people say, are you also part of these people? Say, yes, I'm part of them. Amen. I had a testimony about a church. They were about to be you know, ejected from a place where they were meeting. And when the church board, because they were, they were despising them, you know, they were young people on a university campus that have started a church. The leader has started a church. And they were, they were despised that it is, even though they are students, they are being despised as, you know, people who don't have doctrinal, good theological training. You know, if you are really, if you belong to a certain class, you won't go to that church. Because they think these are young people, they are not academically inclined. Only their leaders, one or two or three leaders are the ones who are, you know, academically inclined. The rest are all sanquas. You know, sanquas. Sanquas is a Ghanaian term referring to people who don't have any direction in life. No mission, no vision in life. Sanquases. These are Sanquases. <laughs> they don't know anything. They have no vision. They haven't been to school to, to, along, to a certain level. And so the meeting was held and they said, so we are going to get them out of this place because we don't want this embarrassment of these people in this place. And when they asked the members of the board, they were surprised that the number two, the most senior in that big firm, where under which umbrella these people meet in that particular place. You know, there's a room where they were meeting. The board that was uh, controlling that place. They didn't know that their number two actually goes to that church. She joins these young people in the place. She has become born again in the place. She has known the Lord Jesus Christ from the ministry of a student. And when they decided to do it, she vetoed it and said, I know them. Said, Are you part of them? Say yes. Unashamedly, she said yes. And that ended the matter. They were allowed to stay there. They were allowed to stay there. And they managed to build themselves and grow up today. And today you hear of Lighthouse Church International. That's how it began. Somebody put in a word. I am not ashamed to be associated with this one. That's it. That's it. Sometimes the key to the breakthrough is people not dissociating themselves, but associating themselves. Amen. When persecution, persecution will come. When persecution comes, let, we, let us find a lot of people that will say, I am part of this church. I am part of this group. Amen. Because the greatest attack to anything that is good from God is an attack of false accusations. False accusations. And a despising spirit. Jesus was despised. The Pharisees despised him. They say he hasn't been to school. Of course, he has no classmate. He didn't go to school. But he's God, the son. Amen. And the people he started church with, they too, fishermen, farmers, people who don't have any academic degrees. I think the most educated among them would have been Matthew, the tax collector. You can't work in tax office if you haven't been to school to a certain point, isn't it? So that's it. The rest, some classes. That's why the, the, the Pharisees despise them so much. Because for you to be, to, to be able to teach anything religious, you remember that the, the word of God, the, the, the Bible, 
the Old Testament, which is the word of God, was also the law of the land. So the lawyers are very good at the word because the word is also the law. It's not that we have separate law or a separate constitution. The constitution of Israel was the word of God. So not everybody is allowed to just interpret the law. You have to be well educated to interpret the law. That's why they have problems with Jesus. So what are you trying to do? What can you teach us? You know, when you read your Bible, it talks about the doctors of the law. These are the doctors of the law. And so, to have set people, but Jesus was not ashamed to associate with fishermen. In the end, he managed to mentor them, empower them, and build a ministry out of them. And through them, some priests even got saved. There are people whose salvation is linked up to people who are sitting here. If we will not be ashamed, I tell you, there will be no limit to how many souls we can win for Jesus Christ. Amen. If we will not be concerned and be ashamed to be associated with what we are doing. This morning, that is just what I want you to, to stick to your mind. Be happy to associate with what we are doing. Amen. Sometimes you may go to a university, you are the only one there. You can start the church. All that we need is one person. I said, how, how many do we need? At least one. One. And it makes a difference. One, you just talk to another person. And minister to the person. And gradually, they build from there. Say, oh, it's going to take away all my joy. It won't take away all your joy. It's the voice of the devil ministering that to you. Amen. It didn't take away our joy. We still enjoyed our work. We enjoyed our academic life. And we still enjoy the work of ministry. Getting many people saved. If we fail to get many saved... Those many we fail to minister to, they will grow up with us. If you don't become prime minister and he becomes prime minister, he will put in legislation that will even fight your faith. Think about it. In the next 20 years, most of you here will be 40 years. And it is possible that the people that will lead this nation will either be you or them. And the Bible says when the righteous rule, there is safety. So when unrighteous people rule, they can pass a legislation that bans Christianity. So when you fail to win them before they, they win you, they will harm you in the end. So apart from getting them to know the Lord Jesus and make it to heaven, if we don't go out and affect them now, they can make life difficult for you when you are all at that age. Think about this. I've given you a generational message. So, everything that you want to save for yourself and the life you want to enjoy as a Christian, but you don't want to be actively involved in ministry, don't do this, I want to save myself, you will see that you will not be able to even work as a Christian when those people begin to rule. At least we are seeing signs today. There are places where they are banning even Christian doctors from confessing their faith. Christian doctors are, are, are being fought and they are losing some of their licenses for just refusing to yield to what they are being asked to do. You remember the recent, I think I sent some of the protons? Yeah. A doctor in the United Kingdom has been stripped of his right to practice because he failed to call a man a woman. That's all. He see a man, he said, I don't know how I can call this bearded man standing before me as a woman. Say, I changed his orientation. He said, the orientation is biology. Sexual orientation is biology. It's biology that determines that. It's God who tells us that. You can't be born any other way. But now that is what is happening. Somebody wears a, cru a crucifix and she's being fired from a job. And somebody is in a big hijab and a big turban. In the same place. And they are being allowed to go on. That small crucifix. That is just around her neck. Even when she wears anything. It can even cover it. She is being persecuted. And losing her job at British Airways. And yet there are people with stuff on their head. And nobody is taking anything. When they are driving. It is even a risk. When they, they can't see who is on their left. Everything is covered like that. They are being allowed to drive. 
wake up. You can't show anything Christian in the hospital, but we see them all in the place with strange things. Some we can't see their faces, only their eyes. And when we met them in any place, we don't know whether they were the ones we were working with. We have never seen them before, only their eyes. Some of the people you went to school with, whose eyes only you see, do you know how they look like? When you stand with them, they all take group pictures. Who is who? Hallelujah. Are you blessed? Church, we have got a lot to do. And heaven is counting on us. Maybe if the Holy Spirit will allow me, in the third session, I will share some things God showed me. He hasn't told me to tell you yet. That's why I'm not telling you. But when I'm preaching, listen to me. Amen. Listen to me. If we will go out and serve God, he has a way that he will sort us out. In Jesus' name. May we not be like Judas and may we not be like Peter in the court of the Sanhedrin. I don't know him. Go all out. Make so much noise. About. See, some people, they may not hear you preach the gospel, but your association with the church will make them curious and want to come around and say, what's going on here? So, sometimes we all have different roles to play. Some of us can preach so powerfully and I wish everybody could do. Some of us, if we can make enough noise, it will bring in the souls and those who preach powerfully will get them saved. All of us would have ended up bringing in the harvest. Not all of us can sing. But if you make a lot of noise when they come, those who sing will sing for them. And some of the people you bring out of the noise you are making, they'll come and join the choir because you don't know how to sing. But at least those people, they know how to sing. But the devil is using them to sing, Ooh, yay! in the world. You bring them into church so they can sing proper songs to the glory of God. 